I'm your producer, Todd Bartu, and this is Offshore Explorer. Offshore Explorer looks at the world from the sailor's point of view, port by port. Together, we share stories that detail the important intersections between sailing, culture, and life, past, present, and future. Let me introduce our host, a lifelong sailor who has traveled the world, raced international 14s, and crossed the Atlantic countless times, a published author who has written for both stage and screen, Sir Scott Dodson. Hey, Todd. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's a cold, rainy uh, we're getting thunder and lightning here in Los Angeles, which rarely happens. How are things in your neck of the woods? Uh, it's the same. I love it. It's it's rain, rain, rain. It's always one of those, uh, you know, it depends on where you are in the world. But, uh, you know, when it rains and you kind of have to shut everything up, uh, you know, close the hatches and all the rest of it and just lay there and uh, listen to the rain pitter-patter over the deck of the boat it's uh it's a it's a good uh it's a good sleeping um thing but it's also notorious for finding like leaks you didn't know you had so yeah <laughs> i had i used to have this leak that was in a hatch um i owned a 1970 hunter it was uh 42 feet nice boat good sailing boat before hunter became too over-designed and plastic and Tupperware-ish. And, uh, but it was a good little sailing boat. In any case, um, I got it for a real great deal. Um, I used to lay in the forepeak when it would rain and the water would just drip down through the hatch and hit me dead in the middle of the forehead. So <laughs> it was kind of crazy. Yeah. So uh, what do we have planned for today's episode? Well, I thought we would just uh, we would just go and talk about uh, this, that, and the other thing, and um, you know, do a real recap of what we've done this last year. As many of you uh, know, we we started this uh, process of storytelling and podcasting um, in March, and um, so we're not quite a full year, but I think we've got something like forty episodes. It says. And, so that's a lot. And, um, but since it's the end of the year, we thought we'd just sort of recap now and sort of get into that rhythm. Yeah, it's a good time to pause and reflect on everything that we've achieved over the past year. And you know, to really thank everybody for listening to the show. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't know where we were really going when we first started out. Um, I think a lot of people, in fact, I just, I just had a text message from a friend of mine, Chris, who actually chartered my boat down in Nevis, um, way back when, and we became very friends, very good friends. Um, and actually he became my agent, um, for years when I came to Los Angeles. And it was very funny because, um, another friend of ours, um, uh, had always been a bit, uh, suspicious of all my adventures and stories and stuff like that and kind of didn't believe it and it's just the way ted was he was kind of like that kind of guy and and he was over on chris's boat and he and chris were talking and uh i came up my name came up and chris says oh well, i know this guy i was on his boat and we were in marina del rey and um so they called me up and i went over to the boat and i didn't know who was what what was going on and uh, I walk on the boat and I see Chris and I go, dude, how you doing? You know, because we had spent, 
you know, a good week chartering. And, um, you know, we became, of course, we great friends and he became my agent. Um, he stopped being an agent now and um, he just texted me. He's in the Turks and Caicos uh, sailing. In fact, I, I gave him the bug as you would say, and um, off he off he went. And uh, it's kind of funny because he asked me about the show. And I said, well, Chris, you know about the show. I said, you've heard it before. Um, and that's sort of where the concept of the show was, is um, of all the years that I was uh, chartering, um, there's always a moment in the week or several moments in the week where, um, as the captain, I would join the the, the family or charterers or whatever the case may be. And I would just go and I would, that was where I would tell a story or some jokes or whatever the case may be. And um, people loved it. And that, that was a part of the experience. Um, and I also, I used to do that too, going back, many people don't know who this is, but Spalding Gray is a very um, famous, famous uh, writer and monologuist in New York and um, he and I used to uh, tell stories back and forth to each other while we were standing on the street um, in New York um, moving our our girlfriend's cars um, back and forth across the street for our, for the alternate side parking and that way we could get a parking spot close to the apartments and he lived two doors down from me anyway it's <laughs> I digress on that but to anybody who knows Spalding Gray knows he's got some some wonderful work and and is really somebody worth listening to the the original podcast person so to speak yeah um but any any case that's sort of where the the incubus for for my thought process was making the stories like that yeah and i and i remember that you know when we were first talking about offshore explorer there was an idea of turning it into a tv show um, and also you had, uh, started writing columns actually ahead of the show and the podcast kind of took over from those columns that you were writing. And, you know, we still have the, the blog going as well. If you want to go back and read the old stories, um, what was, what was that process like of adapting the stories first to, to writing to a blog, but then also to, to in the podcast form? Well, it's it was um, it's not much of a leap, I think. Um, as some people know, or many people don't know, I've written a lot of films, and um, I've had quite a few. Been very lucky to have a few uh, um, produced, and um, but I've never really done anything on the wholesaling thing. So, and which is a major part of my life. So I decided to uh, write a blog about some of it. In fact, I did start writing a blog many, many, many years ago. And it's just nobody was looking at it. There was no reason to keep going. And it was more for my own good, so to speak, my own head. So, which I always tell everybody, you know, keep a diary. Um, no matter what you do, keep a diary. And um, it's very helpful for you in the, in the long run. And um, I've been keeping a diary for close to um, 50 years. And, um, and I actually have them somewhere, all of them. 
But uh, I started doing the blog um, just to tell the stories. And then you and I were talking and uh, we thought about this whole podcasting thing um, as we were, um, and many people don't know this, it's that, that Todd is a tremendous uh, uh, film producer and and he's got uh, he's got lots of licks out there, and he's he does a really really great job. And um, so we just we just sort of we kind of hit it off and started working um, actually on doing the show. We were looking for financing and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And in the process of making TV shows and films, things evolve. Um, they go ways you don't expect them to go, but uh, the idea is to keep moving forward. So. Offshore Explorer with Scott Dodson is um, going to be a television show on a major network. As soon as we are allowed to travel, due to COVID, obviously, um, it's an international show. And it integrates a sort of a sailing a, a view of the world through a mariner's eyes, which is very unique, which is what we're trying to get across here in the podcast. So... That view, along with the blogs of, of writing support um, stories, so people could read the stories as well as listen to the stories. And it was also a place where I could write um, some short stories and some fiction pieces and um, just keep uh, the whole thing kind of rolling in one direction. So that it sort of evolved. It evolved all that way. So that's kind of where we are today. Yeah. And, uh, the, the podcast has actually really grown a lot and, you know, we have a very active Facebook page as well. And we actually managed to get a, a couple of, uh, sponsors on board and we're very thankful to them. Uh, we had Mustang survival come on board as a sponsor. They have some great, um, survival gear, um, and body glove. Everybody loves body glove, you know, for their, their wetsuits, their, the shoes, the wet deck shoes, um, things like that. What are what are some of your your products that you would recommend from uh, Body Glove and Mustang Survival? Well, you know, obviously for Mustang Survival, the first thing to do, which is I had mentioned this before in one of the podcasts, is to have your safety harness and the safe. You know, so that it's your life jacket. Essentially, it's easy to wear. Every you know, um, it's not too much of a bother. Um, to be wearing it all day when you're just sitting in the sitting in the cockpit, but it's uh, it's a great uh, it's a great piece of kit. It lasts a long time. Um, I had Mustang stuff on my boat for I don't know ten twelve years or something in daily use, and um, you know just wash them with soap and water and they all turned out just nice. They looked good. As far as body glove is something that I always recommend to everybody is um, is to have a dive suit available to you. Um, I know that there's a lot of guys that uh, think they can't fit into a dive suit, but body glove makes a lot of different suits with a lot of different cuts, i.e., one for your belly, and <laughs> it's just good. It's good to have, and I, the reason I tell you it's good to have is is um, I was in the Azores, and I had always had a dive. I was a master diver. I still have the the card. Um, and I used to do dive charters on my boat, so people would go diving. I, I stopped doing it because it was just too much work. And my boat wasn't really designed to do dive charters. Um, and 
in the Caribbean, for example, it's so much easier just to call up a dive charter company. They'll come on a boat out to your boat, wherever, wherever you're anchored, pick up your guests, take them to a dive site, feed them, have the dive go, and then bring them back in the evening. And it's like brilliant. It beats lifting heavy air tanks up out of the dinghy and onto a, you know, um, onto the deck with a fairly high freeboard. So I always recommend that people have those and in, in have a, a body glove or wetsuit for this reason. There's times when you're going to have to get in the water. And sometimes, most of the times that you're going to get in the water, you're going to be working on something. And I would venture to say um, 90% of the stuff that I've had to work on is untangling something uh, from my prop, um, picking up some stray fishing line, you know, real thick, heavy, you know, got to cut it, chop it off and be under the water with the boat bouncing up and down. Um, and the temperature of the water being so cold, you could get hypothermia really, really fast. So um, that, I think, is just kind of part of the, the uh, uh, safety equipment. I mean, I had, I had picked up a, a nylon, section of a nylon fishing net that was very heavy um, in a little harbor uh, in the Azores in Fayal. And... Um, I had to dive on that and the water, the water must have been like 40 degrees. And, um, it was, it was, it was crazy. Even, even my, my, my thickest suit that I had, what wasn't thick enough. I got so cold in that water so fast. So it's just a recommendation. Yeah, definitely must have if you're, especially if you're good doing long distance voyages, um, and if anybody is planning on buying a wetsuit or uh, safety gear, uh, I'll put a link in the description. If you buy anything off that, we get a little cut of it. So it's a way that you can help support us. Um, and then in addition to the sponsors, you know, we've had a lot of great fans and uh, people that have been tuning in um, over the past year. And as you know, part of that, I would love to, you know, maybe talk about some highlights of the year of our most popular episodes. Um, and our, one of the episodes that I think really got a lot of people interested in, and it's kind of applicable to the weather we're currently having. And that's our struck by lightning episode, which was episode number 20. Um, do you have any, you know, I had a lot of uh, people that were just, amazed by that and that were it, it was just such a fascinating story of you know the aftermath of struck by lightning and people saying like oh well you can do this you can do that but at the end of the day lightning is going to do what it wants to do oh right? yeah that's 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 the bottom line that's the whole that is the whole thing in a nutshell is that is that even the insurance guys you know and they don't know how lightning works I mean, and I tell the story of being struck by lightning and, and, you know, the, I got struck at the very top of the mast. It's, it missed it. It missed, missed it. It missed the, uh, um, the grounding wires and it jumped across all the rigging and the mast, by the way, was wooden and, um, it actually 
went down the resinol where the cuts were and cooked the resinol. And because we we're in a storm when it happened, it, it stressed the mast and the mast cracked. And um, it came all the way down and uh, jumped back in the boat. It melted my starter solid on my engine, just solid. Drained all the power out of my batteries. How that happened, I have no idea. And it destroyed a TV set that wasn't even plugged in. Is is the weirdest thing in the world. So, it was, and it happened instantly, and with a real clap, and uh, a frightening clap because you really thought something somebody just blew the mast apart. And um, you know, thank goodness it didn't happen. But uh, yeah, that that happened. Um, that happened on the way um, to Bermuda from um, the Caribbean. So, yeah. Yeah, it it seems like weather is kind of a big issue, especially when you're when you're out there sailing. And I remember you telling a story about uh, surviving a hurricane uh, as well. I mean, is there any other great stories about dealing with weather while sailing? No, Todd, I don't have any. (laughs) 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 Yes. Well, I tell you, here's the one thing I I I just want to tell everybody. This is the thing about sailors, and then, and I'm going to address this sort of armchair sailor or the day sailor or the the guy who's just who's just learning, um, trying to screw up their courage to go out into the ocean, etc., etc., etc. Is that look, guys? Here's the thing: any sailor worth of salt, what he's going to do is he's going to make sure he checks the weather for the day. He's going to know where the wind is coming from the you know, the southwest or southeast or the north, whatever. He knows what the wave states and what the sea state's going to be. And so he has his course. He knows where he's going. And if you're just beginning and you're a beginner looking at all this, don't assume in your mind's eye that you're going to be going through a hurricane or a great, you know, northeaster where there's 400-foot waves and da-da-da-da-da. That's not how it works. What how it works is sailors, inexperienced sailors, and even professional sailors will get caught during a passage. And that's where the weather issue becomes, how to deal with it, how to how to sail through it. But 95% of the time, you have a choice. It's too windy today for me. The seas are too rough for me fine, we're not going out today. You have that choice. And, you know, that's that's the key thing about weather is because 90% of the time you're sailing in ideal conditions or at least nice conditions that you can deal with. And I'm not talking about just stuff that's, um, you know, like uh, giant waves and, and, you know, 50 knot wind. Most of the people that get that kind of... Um, or in that kind of weather are usually doing something like going from point A to point B that they have to go. And they think they can make it through that kind of stuff. And, um, I have certainly done that delivering boats. Um, but very rarely, I mean, in the Caribbean, we got caught in hurricanes just because we were there. But for the most time, most part, you know, I decided to just go sailing, go, go South, go away from the storm and then just turn around and come back. 
um, that was always seemed to me to be the easiest thing. I've anchored during um, a hurricane. I've been outfoxed by hurricanes. Um, but for the most part, um, I missed a bunch of hurricanes in the Caribbean um, by simply spending my summers in Europe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, the best way to survive a hurricane is to avoid it. And that's that's pretty much the same thing with every kind of weather, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you'll get squalls, you'll get thunderstorms, you'll get low fronts that are moving across you, and you just you know you're not going to get them out of the way, get out of the way of them because they're too big, and they're too fast, and your boat is slow. That's it. Um, so you're you're going to be stuck dealing with it. But on that note, I wanted to also say something about handling a boat in a storm a lot of people i i see a lot of people they th they think they have to keep their course in a storm even if that course is detrimental to the to the comfort and safety of the boat i see a lot of people like you know sailing into the wind you know and pounding away and all the rest of this kind of stuff you got to think that a storm over you and winds in general an average is not going to last for more than 18 hours. Okay. So if you're, if you're going to be say averaging, say 10 knots. Okay. You're, and you take yourself out of a, the direction you're going away from land, for example, which is always a good idea because nothing sinks boats more than land is just to keep, going you where are you going to do 160 miles you're going to be out of the way 120 160 miles i've done so many crossings and and had so many storms that i would just find a comfortable spot to sail in okay use the use the strong winds to 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 keep up a good speed you know kind of keep in the general direction if i was going from the caribbean and to to europe you know and i was traveling east i'm just looking to go generally east Okay, and in 18 hours, how far am I going to be off course in 18 hours? Not very far, to be honest. Yeah. So, but uh, the, the people people panic and they think, oh, I got to keep this course. I got to go on this course. No, you don't. Your boat is your boat. Your boat is your place. And that's just take it where it's most comfortable. And that's how you avoid a lot of problems, a lot of problems. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um the next, uh, the next episode I, I, I want to talk about is, for me, it's kind of an interesting story. And this was an episode that we weren't actually planning to do. We were planning to do something else that week. And for whatever reason, I was thinking, you know, you had told me this story. And I thought, you know, this would make a great episode. So I said, you know what? Why don't we do this other episode instead? And we put it together really quickly uh, at the last minute, and it's actually became one of our most popular episodes, and that was the story of the mutiny. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we love mutinies. Mutinies are so much fun. They just keep, they just, they just possible. I, in fact, I just saw another story about a um, a couple that was. Um, having a having a problem with some of their crewmates and uh, very strangely the story was fairly similar to 
to the whole uh, concept. And um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, but that story, just to sort of back up, that story is really is about drinking and and having a ting sting and um, being at the Four Seasons in Nevis. And which, by the way, I opened up talking about my friend Chris, who's sailing in the Turks and Caicos right now. Um, he, I met Chris at Nevis. That's where I met him. So that was kind of it's funny you should bring that up. Um, but in any case, yeah, it's sort of like this conflict that you have on a boat between the organization of the boat and and um, the authority that the captain has. And some people just don't like the authority. Um, we've had a lot of a lot of listeners, uh, you know, check it out and listen to it. And we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. So I really appreciate that. What What is it about boats that causes that kind of conflict? Is it just being in a small space with the same people over and over again? Or like, what what is it that leads to that? to that conflict because it seems like a lot of times it comes out of nowhere and you're not expecting it at all you know yeah i i it's kind of like for me it's like the lack of zen as, mm. as crazy as that sounds um you know people people get on boats and they have different ex, uh, expectations um people are on boats for so many different reasons and I think I addressed it in um, the last, our Christmas episode um, uh, with Christmas at the Bitter End. And, and the idea of, of why people put to sea and, um, you know, what it is that they bring to the whole thing. And some people can't handle um, the, the structure and then some people have this expectation that their freedom should allow them to do whatever they want to do. And um, there's some very competitive, narcissistic, um, sociopathic people that you find um, wandering, the, uh, wandering the oceans these days. But uh, I've always tried to find somebody who is just kind. Yeah. Because kind people always work out just fine. And I, I don't imagine that that sailing and yachting and that whole world kind of tends to attract individualistic type of people, the people who don't want to go to an office every day, you know? Yeah, and, you know, there's something, and, and that reminds me of something, and I might have to go off on a different tangent here, is, is we've been offering, and I've been offering, and uh, a perspective on sailing, and a lot of our listeners who are, you know, we have a lot of listeners in the United States, Canada, Australia, um, New England, New Zealand, South Africa. We do tremendous, we have tremendous listenership in, um, in Asia and um, in India, um, South Asia, and as well as um, really all over the world. But um, one of the things that, and, and, and that you have to understand is, is that the whole yachting, sailing world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, isn't just European white guys out sailing, okay? In India, it's, it's vastly different, for example. Tons of marinas in Italy, or in India. Tons of marinas. Lots of sailors, okay? The same in Indonesia, Singapore, 
Okay, it's not it's not exclusively this sort of Western culture look. I, I drove a boat for a guy who was uh, from Indonesia, all right, and and we had he was Muslim, so he had a little prayer room in the boat. Okay, and then when he went in to do his prayers, I had to orient the boat in the direction. Um, actually, we did it east to west, and then he would orient his prayer rug to that. So there's, there's, I think it's a mistake for most Americans to just assume that it's sort of yachting and sailing and all the rest of this stuff is just some sort of New England white guy thing, okay? There's lots of different people that are out sailing um, and in different cultures, and they have different views. It's, it's a completely different society, but it's really bound tightly by the experience of being on the ocean and sailing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on to, to the next episode that, that was one of our most popular ones. And the, the story behind this episode, I think, is kind of interesting because this was an instance when, you know, we put it out there in the first couple of days, you know, it's kind of doing okay. And then all of a sudden we had a huge spike and we saw that, like, for some reason or other, it had caught fire and caught imagination, especially on social media. And, and a lot of people were really talking about it. And that was about the, the history of the rudder. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the rudder. Um a very interesting thing, and I think we we got a lot of um, feedback. We got some negative feedback, um, and I'll be the first. I'll be the first to share that. Um, yeah, there was. Uh, I had a couple of people who sort of misunderstood what I said um, in terms of of the rudder. Uh, I had talked about uh, um, flat the boats being somewhat flat bottomed and one of the reasons they were flat bottomed was so that they could um, come up to the shore and I think I said that they could kind of stick them in the mud and offload stuff um, and, and that was wrong and, and actually the person who criticized me for that I did actually send him a note and say yeah I had misspoke I didn't really mean it that way that um, you know the, the, the development of the rudder which was was huge in the exploration of the world. Um, without that kind of control surface, um, you know, these boats, which were were not designed with large, um, deep uh, keels, um, they were designed. They were designed basically to go into shallow places to carry goods, large number of goods, and. Um, and that's that's sort of what the design was. And the design, um, I think we had a picture of the rudder for um, the Constitution. And there you begin to see like the V-hull kind of concept coming about on the on the on boats, um, especially sailboats. Um, it it made them, they gave them the ability to to sail close to the wind. Um, which kind of a flat bottom boat with a small rudder couldn't do. And so they developed that concept um, and it was a sort of a military concept um, for fighting, etc. And that is kind of leads us into the other uh, uh, 
show that was really popular and continues to be very popular, the Bermuda Sloop, um, this, which is actually one of my favorite topics. I just love those boats. And um, I just posted a couple of pictures of, of the original kinds of sloops that are out there. And um, that whole idea is that's the kind of boat that most, quote-unquote, pirates and buck and, and privateers, that's what they sailed. I mean, yeah, we have the old, you know, English um, ship of war, you know, line ship, um, which the pirates got their hands on in like 1652 in that area. But the development of the faster sloop who could um, approach um, closer to the wind, could escape faster, could fight quicker, um, could avoid destruction because they were so nimble. And, and they still could carry a large um, uh, number of crew members and, and uh, fighters to board another ship, um, which was convenient for, you know, jumping on a mercantile ship, which didn't have a lot of people fighting. But, uh, yeah, uh, so, yeah, I'm, uh, we were very pleased that that whole rudder thing, that it was a great episode. I'm planning on doing some more boat parts um, next year and um, some designs. I have some designers that I'll be talking with, and um, we'll be just talking in general about uh, and some specific stuff about where, you know, where sail, sailboating is going. Yeah, no, absolutely. Design. I, I think, like, we've, we've done a couple of episodes just about, you know, the history of sailing and boats and, you know, like the history of navigation. We did an episode about that. That was really popular. Um, just protocol. That was, that was also very popular. The, just the idea of checking in. Um, yeah, there's definitely a, a, a popular type of episode that deals with history and boat construction and boat parts and all that. Um, but another part of the show over the past year is uh, we've had some interesting guests on the show. And, you know, everyone from, uh, you know, Steve at the, with his photography and... Um, Steve Lapkin. Steve mm -hmm. Lapkin. Um, you know, uh, we had uh, David Rigsby to talk about poetry in the sea. Um, we had Rita Garcia talking about, you know, Portugal and how the sailing industry is, is being affected there. Um, but the most popular of all the, and of course we had Tommy Twang, which we cannot forget mm -hmm. who, who does all the music for the show, <laughs> who Tommy's a great character. I'd love to have him back on the show. Um, but one of the most popular interviews that we had was Tim B at sea. And I think he kind of represents right. a, a kind of a different aspect of the boating world, which is more like the, the workaday, the workers, the tugboat, the people who drive the boats day by day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was Tim was great. Um, we'll have Tim back next year uh, as well. And, um, you know, he's he's doing great. If, if you all uh, go to YouTube, you'll see Tim B at sea. Um, he does, you know, lots of, uh, videos from his tugboat in, and, um, he's mostly kind of in New York Harbor, but he, he goes out, he was in Groton, Connecticut, I think, uh, last week, or he's in Puerto Rico, one of the two. 
Um, but he's a really interesting guy. And uh, we had a lot of fun because, um, you know, I had run uh, tugboats way back when. And uh, it was just sort of nice to, uh, as, a, as a friend of mine said, it just sounded like two old tugboat captains chewing the fat. So that was a great interview and we enjoyed it. And we had a lot of people, a lot of people look at that. Yeah, no, he's a great it. YouTube so channel cool. to, uh, to go check out. Um, and before we get to our most popular episode, um, <laughs> of the past year, just to leave you guys in suspense, um, you know, we've had, we had a lot of, uh, fans and people that have supported us along the way. I did want to give a shout out to, uh, a couple of the other podcasts. I would say, check out, uh, the shooting, the breeze sailing podcast. Those guys have been great. Um, how not to sail great great podcast um you know just just generally i think that the the community of of sailors and and you know people in the podcasting world have been very supportive um is there anybody else you would want to thank for their support um no yes (laughs) (laughs) just kidding just kidding yeah of course my you know my dear wife she puts up with a lot of stuff and if if you all don't know who that is it's paulette mcwilliams she's a very famous um jazz singer we produced a new album this year um called a woman's story which by the way is doing great it's charting all over the place and um Hopefully next year uh, we'll all be on the road and we'll all be um, cooking with gas. So, yeah, and I got to see um, her perform uh, at the LACMA. You know, they do the the little jazz uh, thing. Mm-hmm. I think during the summer, like, is it every Saturday night they do jazz or they would they did do jazz? Um, yeah. For those of you who don't know, the LACMA is the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. And um, it's not like a county art place. It's a L.A. county art place. And it's it's phenomenal. It's a great space. It's a huge space. It's very well-endowed space. And it's really L.A. But we do an outdoor concert there. And she gets invited every other year. They don't do you every year. It's kind of every other year, every two years. It depends. Yeah, so. absolutely. And she did a, a living room performance, I think, Um Mm-hmm. That, that. We did one at Scullers for all you Connecticut folks up there. Um, she did a, a living room um, concert at Scullers. Um, she will get booked at, she's going to be booked at Scullers as soon as we're able to get traveling and COVID. Um, she'll be on tour and, um, you know, her, her record, um, uh, A Woman's Story, Paulette McWilliams, uh, is uh, everywhere you buy your your music um so download it listen to it it's very cool and uh any anything else you want to add before we move on to the 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 number one the number one which the number one if you're if you're listening to this steve you can guess um uh, i'll give you a couple of seconds just to think about what is the thing that all sellers think about and that would be yes and it's and it's it's not your jib yeah um <laughs> yes and it is it is sex and sailing which was extremely popular from from the beginning and 
you know, and, and sex is obviously a large part of the whole sailing mythos. You know, you have people drinking and hooking up on a boat and, you know, there's, there's definitely a large aspect of that to the, the sailing and boating world. Yes. And, and there is a thing. And the thing is, is that when you're on a boat, and we had, by the way, most of our comments came from women. We had an unbelievable number of comments come from women. And the comments were basically this, been there, done that, best years of my life. <laughs> yeah, That pretty much sums up this whole thing. Because when you're on the boat and you're moving, and I try to describe this in detail um, in the podcast, is that is is you're you there's a kind of sexual awakening there's a sexual thing that is going on and um this is you know warm wa warm weather warm water uh it's sensuous it's you know tactically interesting and fun and um you know you get the right person with you and it's it's a great great joy to have great fun and I'm, I'm looking forward to this coming year because I'm going to revisit the subject in a, a, maybe a different way um, and, and talk about um, how it all works, so to speak. Yeah, and also, that's our big, big one. Yeah, yep. we, we, it also ties into some of the other episodes that we've done. You know, we did a, an episode about food on a boat because I think that also kind of ties into that, the, 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 sens the sensory the sensory nature of being on a boat, you know, you're, you're mm -hmm. eating this amazing Michelin star quality food, drinking this amazing wine on a boat, the, the amazing sunset, some tropical Island. I mean, what's not to love, <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. And, you know, we talk about food. I talk about food, you know, in a lot of different places. Um, all throughout the 42 episodes, um, I mentioned food or talk about food, um, you know, from the food in Greece and um, eating uh, 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 the shrimp in Greek, Greece um, roads. Oh, no, what are we talking about? Simi, uh, eating the, the simi, simi, shrimp, shrimp, yeah. simi shrimp. Yeah, French fries with eyes. That's where I was at before I couldn't find the name for simi. But uh, yeah, that's, you know, we talk about that and talk about, uh, I've talked about um, um, food in Italy and going to the famous ancient market, um, which is very close, this is walking distance from the marina. Um, and, you know, uh, fishing, catching fish, cooking fish, um, lots of, you know, different kinds of things and how to preserve food, what to eat. And um, all of that, uh, that kind of craziness. Um, but yeah, we're going to continue doing more about um, cooking. And for my Louisiana friends, um, we are doing a, a gumbo um, for our New Year's Eve. We're, we're, we're going out, we're going to pick up the fresh fish in a couple of days. And um, we're going to be making some good Louisiana Gumbo. Yeah, we'll definitely need to do an episode about New Orleans and Louisiana area. There's so much there in that in the the Texas Gulf area uh, in terms of food oh yeah, and it's drink and all that tremendous tremendous sailing area. Um, we're going to be doing some stuff on the Mississippi, 
And, you know, one of the things that's kind of kept us, um, you know, sort of California bound, even though we've allowed our imaginations to take us around the world. And there's, you know, there's so many other places that I would love to, that I'm going to talk about, um, you know, sailing um, in Vietnam, sailing in Thailand, um, you know, being in Australia and sailing in Australia, um, you know, the whole Pacific. I haven't really done much in that. And I, I will get to doing um, that part of the world uh, this coming year. But one of the main things we're doing is we're, we are going to be doing a couple of television shows. And it, they're all, of course, going to be related to sailing. And so we're going to have uh, much more uh, opportunity to travel now that the COVID-19 thing is has some sort of light at the end of the tunnel, although I think it's still a fairly long tunnel, um, you know, with the vaccine and all the rest of that. But, you know, hopefully by summer we'll be able to move about and bring you uh, much more um, variety and some you know, present tense, interesting um, stories and discoveries. And I really hope to go down to Louisiana and um, do the whole Delta, Mississippi, and do that kind of area down there. So it's there's a lot of great stories there. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to go out and start start filming again. Um, and, and if you're listening to this, and if there's anything you would like to see or hear more of, you know, definitely let us know. Um, we're very active on our Facebook page uh, and on Instagram, Twitter, all the social media. Um, maybe one of these days we'll get around to doing a TikTok or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Is there any other things as we wrap out this episode and wrap out the year? No, I just want to thank everybody for, um, for, for listening and for investing their precious time um, into our our little world of, of stories and sailing and and seeing the world in the mariner's eyes, um, we thank you and um, we hope to keep growing and continue and 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 bring you more uh, interesting perspectives from the world of a sailor. Great, thanks. Happy New Year's, everyone. Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to rate and review. You can find us on Facebook and at offshoreexplorer.org. You can also listen to past episodes at offshore-explorer.simplecast.com. Our theme song is sung by Paulette McWilliams, with additional music by Amanu Itomi and Tommy Twain. Until next time, fair winds and calm seas.